Uh, today we're starting a new, a new series called uh, All Together Now. All Together Now. I, I, I think of, you know, as, as we're heading back to school, I, and we, we've had on our minds uh, teachers and um, uh, students um, that are the heading back to school, I think one of the most challenging of all professions is the, uh, is the elementary school or middle school music teacher. <laughs> These are people who probably from a young age enjoyed music, displayed some sort of proficiency in music, and yet... And, and, and yet find themselves in this classroom filled with children who didn't sign up for this class as an elective, <laughs> but are sort of forced there. And, and you know, students are taking trombones and, and, and uh, using them as weapons or uh, tightening the reed on the clarinet too tight. And I often, if you can think back to all of the epic teacher meltdowns that you had in middle school, I can bet that a lot of them came from the music teacher, where there were just these moments where they're, they're accustomed to hearing these beautiful sounds, and then they hear, you know, the, the band trying to play or the choir trying to sing. In some ways, I picture our Heavenly Father like the grand composer and the conductor of this holy choir. And the, the glory of God is supposed to be our song. We just, sang, we just sung about that. And yet, there's these two members of the choir who are fighting with one another, and that member has gone off the platform altogether, and he's trying to gather the children of God, and there's no meltdowns, he's not yelling, he loves us, but wants us to get in sync with one another. Wants us to, to understand this is the rhythm of the song. This is the melody. These are the harmonies. These are the parts that all of us are supposed to be playing in this musical production. I think the truth is that the church, capital C, and this church here at Hope Church over the last two and a half years has been somewhat scattered from one another, somewhat separated from one another, in some cases even somewhat suspicious about one another, and we're not quite in sync. We don't really have our eyes on the conductor while he's trying to count us in, a one and a two and a three, all together now, let's go church, let's do this. Let's make a beautiful sound for his glory. And I think in the last several months, it's been great. Uh, people have been coming back to church, and so we have a sense of where we are supposed to be. Many of us have come back, and it's terrific to see so many faces. And so many of us are where we need to be, but the, the question I want to ask ourselves is, have we remembered who we're supposed to be? And who do we belong to? And what are we actually called to do? We know where we're supposed to be, but what are we supposed to do? And the point of this series is to help us not just to regather, but to regroup 
and to get reoriented and to get refocused and in many ways to get recommitted to what matters most. That we all have a part to play in the beautiful song that God has written for us to sing. That the choir of the saints, as we just sung, needs to start to sing about the glory of God. That's the aim of this series. This is where we're headed. It's a, it's a shorter topical series. We're, we're, we're going to be looking at several messages. Today we're talking about a Together on a Mission and then we're going to talk about worshiping together, and then walking together, and working together, and a witnessing together. We, we want to get back on track. We want to find the melody. We want to find the harmony that we're supposed to be singing. We want to understand the rhythm that God has laid down for us. And, and these are the things that we want to be focusing on. Mission, worship, walk, work, and witness. And so today is all together on mission. Let's bow our heads and, and pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we rejoice in the ability to gather and to sing uh, your praise, Lord. It's been so good to be together as God's people, to greet one another in the foyer, to hear one another's voices, sing your praise. You alone are worthy. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us right now as we uh, open your word, that you would be our teacher, that you would instruct us, Lord, that you would help us to get on track and to stay on track with what you are calling us to do. And so, Lord, we love you and thank you. We pray that you would meet with us and lead us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On mission uh, together. That's where we're uh, headed today. Together on mission. Uh, today's message, today's service actually in its entirety is going to be a little bit shorter because we want to make available to you opportunities to sign up to, to serve in ministries to further the, the mission, not just of this church, but of the, the mission that Jesus has given uh, to all of us. So just a couple of thoughts of this morning and a shorter message on mission. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing for a church to be together, but many churches are together but not on mission. That they are gathered together around a person or a personality or around a certain program or whatever it may be. They're gathered together but not on mission. There are many Christians who are on mission but they're not doing it together with other Christians. So what we're trying to do is to, is to get together but to get together around the mission that God has given to us. This uh, Thursday marked a real turning point uh, in history. I, I, I shared with, with my wife, Lindsay, that, that on September the 8th, 2022, that's, in my mind, as a historian, that's when the 1900s officially ended. His historians, if, if you study different periods in history, you have, you have these different seasons, these different eras, and you know, the 1970s really started in the late 60s and, and went on into the 80s, but we, we call it the 70s, and for many ways, the, the 1900s uh, you know, didn't end with the, the Berlin Wall falling, and it's interesting that Gorbachev just passed away a few weeks ago as well, but, 
For me, the, 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 the era, the, the, the era that my parents lived in, the era that I lived in, really came to a close on Thursday, uh, September the 8th, when Queen Elizabeth II, at the age of 96, passed away. She reigned for 70 years and 214 days. She became queen when she was 25. And it's been interesting as we've heard different uh, news, uh, uh, news stations or different cultural commentators uh, speak about the passing of Queen Elizabeth, there's this one quotation that it always is being uh, repeated. It came from a radio address that she gave, really, it was four years before she became queen. And, and this, is, this is what she said. The quote will be uh, there for you uh, on the screen. She says, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Now, I think one of the reasons why uh, people have latched on to this particular uh, quotation. It might have something to do with the Netflix series, The Crown. It also might have something to do with the fact that she said, my whole life, whether it be long or short, and it turned out to be quite long. And she became queen a lot sooner than anyone expected, and she remained queen for far long. I mean, her son Charles is not going to break her record. But what really stands out, and again, I really believe that her passing represents sort of the end of an era. Notice the sense of devotion and commitment and duty that she expresses here. Her whole life will be devoted to the service. Now, this is the monarchy, and I know there's lots of baggage that goes along with colonialism and a whole bunch of other things, and her service also involved her having a lot of servants, and I understand all of that. But this sense of long-lasting commitment, it's, it seems to be almost gone in our generation. That, that, her, that she committed her whole life to, and again, this was just one single solitary position. She talks about the imperial family. In, in Christianity, this is something that is not just you as an individual, it's about all of us being committed all together. But when you come to the end of your life, what will people say that you were devoted to in all of your life? What, what would they say would be the defining factor? Is, is it your favorite IPL cricket team? Is it your, is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your own physical health and strength? What is it right now that is driving your very existence? Loved ones, what I want to do today, again, we're not just focused on regathering, but our aim is to regroup and get reoriented and to recommit to what matters most. I, I want us to be focused on being together on mission. Together on mission. 
This is the mission statement of our church. It's nothing unique. It's really just a couple of uh, quotations from the Bible. Here's, here's our uh, mission statement here at Hope. It says, our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the greatest commandment. And so I want to introduce to some of you and remind others what we are committed to as a church family in terms of the mission that Jesus has given to us. The first place I want us to turn as we, as we unpack our mission statement here is, is this phrase to glorify God. I want you to turn to the book of Romans and find chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Today's sermon will not be a typical message in a number of ways. It's going to be about half as long as messages normally are here at Hope. And it's going to be topical in nature. We're going to turn to three or four different passages. Uh, normally our way here at Hope is to go through one book of the Bible at a time, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line by line. But every now and again it's important to, to get a, a broad overview of some scriptural themes to, to remind us what is there. Look at look with me at Romans chapter 15 and verse 5. Paul has just been encouraging the church at Rome to be patient with one another and to not look down on one another over conscience issues. If they disagree about this or disagree about that, that, that we can all come together and agree on the gospel. And then he reminds them about how the scriptures teach us about endurance and encouragement that they were written for our instruction. And then Paul says in verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the choral language, living in harmony, together with one voice, that we're supposed to come together. We don't all sing the same part. We don't all sing the same part. We sing different parts in harmony. We're singing in harmony, but we're all singing the same We're all singing the same thing. We're singing for the glory and as we flesh glorifying God. Isaiah 43, 7 says that, that God's glory was the reason for which we were created, that that's why we are here on planet earth. Habakkuk 2, verse 14 says that the glory of God will fill the earth the way the waters fill the sea. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21 says that there is to be glory in the church throughout all generations. That the early church in Acts chapter 2, and then, and then the church throughout church history with Constantine, and then into the Middle Ages and the Reformation, that throughout all generations, that, that the church is supposed to be the place that focuses on God's glory. And that needs to be our focus as well. As we sang earlier today, not to us, but to your name be all praise. That God would be glorified. That we would exalt him together. And that we would enjoy him together. That is how he is 
glorified. That's our mission. That's how our mission statement begins. Let's go back to our mission statement here. So our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission. So this leads us to our second aspect of what it means to be together on mission. Together, we are committed to be making disciples. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus is now resurrected from the dead. He appeared to some women in the garden. He told the women to tell his disciples to go and to meet him in Galilee. He was resurrected in Jerusalem, but he told his disciples to go on a three-day walk up to Galilee. Maybe you want to, you know, before um, winter comes, maybe you want to spend, you know, a, a Saturday afternoon or something at Wasega Beach. Well, imagine walking there. That's how far it is from walking to Jerusalem to a Galilee. Jesus told them to go back to the place where it, where it all began. And I want you to notice from this passage the authority of Jesus, the command of Jesus, and the promise of of Jesus, his authority, his command, and his promise. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority. The queen had some measure of authority in 15 nations as a monarch, in, in, in 32 nations as more as a, as a symbol, but even at the height of the British Empire, no British monarch ever had all authority. And yet Jesus here says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He possesses all authority. There are certain political authorities in our lives and we are called to submit to them. There are certain scientific authorities in our lives who, who claim to have authority over us. But our ultimate authority, loved ones, is Jesus Christ. He is our king. He is not just our king. He is king over every human being on planet Earth. He is king over every demon and angel and spirit and principality. He is not just our king. We acknowledge him as king, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what has been patently true, that Jesus Christ is king and that all authority belongs to him. Secondly, notice the command that he gives. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this is the command that he gives. Now, those of you who speak multiple uh, languages, I, I can barely handle English, but I admire those who are, I did a wedding a, a few weeks ago, and I was giving my wedding sermon, and standing beside me, someone was, was translating it word from word for word into Tamil. It, it, was, it was remarkable. And those who are able to translate understand that there are certain things about word order, there are certain things about how verbs relate to nouns, how they relate to adjectives that can't quite come across. And from my limited understanding of the Greek 
language. I tell people that I passed Greek in, in seminary. I don't know if I learned Greek in seminary. But word order is less important in Greek, but you have these markers that show which, which verb is the main verb and which verb is, are, are, the, are the subservient verbs. And so when you look at, at, this, at this passage right here, you think go is the main verb because it's the first one, right? In, in English, you put the most important things first, but in Greek, the main command there is actually the command to make disciples, and the other verbs in Greek are all participles. So to make disciples involves, go- so making disciples is the main command. It involves going, it involves baptizing, and it involves teaching. This is the mission that we've been given, to go. The, the requires initiative, that, that we are supposed to go. For some of us, it's to go across the ocean to another nation. Others of us, it's across the street or across the hallway to our friend at school to go. And then to baptize, to teach the need for regeneration, the need to be born again, the need to be cleansed from sin. And then to teach. So there's a, there's a way in which making disciples affects those who don't know Jesus. That's the going and the baptizing people part. But then there's the teaching part. Those who are following Jesus are to be taught not just what Jesus commands, but look at the text, how to obey everything that he has commanded. So that's the command that he gives. And then lastly, look at the promise. Verse 20, at the end there, he says, and behold, when Jesus is saying, and look, he's like, if you, if you didn't hear anything I said so far, make sure you hear this part. He says, look, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 70 years and 214 days, that's a long time for Queen Elizabeth to, quote-unquote, be with us. But Jesus has promised to be with us always to the end of the age. He has the ultimate authority. He has given us this command, and he has promised to be with us in the fulfillment of that command. Notice how the vertical affects the horizontal. When we understand that Jesus has all of the authority and has promised to be with us, that gives us the courage to go, to take the initiative in making disciples. Jesus hasn't promised that it'll be easy. And loved ones, it's not getting any easier to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He hasn't promised that it will be easy, but he has promised that he will be with us. And that makes all of the difference. And we're commanded to, to, to teach disciples everything that Jesus has taught and how to obey. That's a lot of content. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Think about all of the parables. Think about all the times that Jesus led by example in reaching out and touching the marginalized, by washing people's feet, by ministering to the poor. We're supposed to follow and obey. How, how can we follow and obey all that he has taught Well, that leads us to the next part of our mission statement, which is to glorify God, the fulfillment of the Great Commission, in the spirit of the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is the command to love God. Uh, So you can, if you're taking notes today, today, you can jot down loving God and then turn back with me six chapters to Matthew chapter 22. 
Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. The context here is this is a, a seven days before Jesus goes to the cross. He's just arrived in the city of Jerusalem riding on a colt to fulfill the prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9. People are picking up what he's putting down. And then the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees start surrounding him and they start peppering him with, the question, with, with question after question, all centering around the two things we can be certain about in life, death and taxes. And they ask, him a que- they ask him a question about the afterlife and marriage. And then they ask him a question about paying taxes to Caesar. And Jesus is answering every single question perfectly. And then one of the Pharisees goes rogue. <laughs> and it says that one of the lawyers just steps up and says, Jesus, which is the greatest of all the commandments? There are 613 commands in the Old Testament. And, and this lawyer is like, I can't believe how well this guy knows the Bible. I can't believe how well he's answering all of these questions. So we ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And in verse 37, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Jesus says that loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. He's quoting here Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. This is called the Shema, which begins with the, that's the Hebrew word for hear. This, this passage says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus, he doesn't introduce any new content here. He says the answer has been, has been there for centuries. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. So as we go about making disciples, going and baptizing and teaching, there's a manner in which we are supposed to do that by loving God and being fully committed to him. Heart, soul, mind, strength, Jesus is saying head to toe. Every cell, every atom, 360 degrees, 100%, 365 days a year. Your ultimate loyalty, every thought and intention, every action, every emotion, every purpose, every pursuit, every plan, every decision has to be in submission to loving God with everything that we have. And then Jesus, as he so often does, gives us more than we ask. The guy wanted to know what's what's, what's the the most important uh, commandment. And then Jesus tells him it's, it's loving God. And then he says in verse 39, and a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so forth and finally, uh, in our outline today, we are glorifying God, making disciples, loving God, and loving our neighbor. We're supposed to love our neighbor. Again, the vertical influences the horizontal. How we relate to God reflects how we relate to other people. We love God, and because we love him, we love those who are made in his image. You don't need to look any further than Genesis chapter 1 to understand that we love God because he made all of this. And we love our neighbor because we're all made in his image. You don't put your friend's photo on your dartboard. You, 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 don't, you can't go out for dinner with your friend and then go home and thumbtack their photo on the dartboard and start aiming for between the eyes. You don't do that. Well, it's just a picture. No, it's not just a picture. It's an image of your friend. It's an image of someone you love. 
in the same way. You can't say you love God and then treat his image bearers like garbage. It just doesn't work that way. And so we are called as followers of Jesus Christ to love our neighbor, the the people sitting beside you here in church right now. We're supposed to love the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the family of God. But beyond that, we're supposed to love our neighbor, even pray for those who persecute us, bless those who curse us, that we are supposed to be characterized by love. That's the defining factor. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. Let all that you do be done in love. Everything that we do, love needs to be our motivation. Love for God and love for our neighbor. And so this is our mission. My question is, are you on mission? And are we on mission together to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the greatest commandment. Did you come here this morning with the purpose of glorifying God? Did you come here this morning with the purpose of making disciples? Did you come here this morning with the purpose of loving God, learning to love him more and more and loving your Neighbor, And then beyond this morning, beyond the 90 minutes that we're going to spend together today, what about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? Are you on mission and are we on mission together to be doing all of these things? So loved ones, I'm going to pray for us now. We're going to respond in song and then we're going to have an opportunity to really put this into practice, to to learn a little bit about some of the ministries here at Hope Church that will uh, give us avenues to accomplish this this mission uh, together. So let's bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and on earth, the one who is the foundation for the church the one whose height and depth and width and breadth of his love is absolutely immeasurable. And so, God, we want to receive your love, Lord. We love because you first loved us. And, God, we want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we want our love for you to overflow in love for our neighbors and in making disciples for your glory. God, we thank you so much that when we're trying to define what our mission is or what we're supposed to accomplish as a church, thank you that it's not up to us to try to come up with something. We just simply look to what your word has said. And God, as we are about to lift our voices now in praise, Lord. May we get on the same track as a church family, focused on the right things, focused on loving you and loving our neighbor and making disciples. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.